we get into Acts chapter 20 this morning, a message that I've been working on to preach this morning. I want to update you just a little bit. Um, uh, I cannot fully express the emotions that we have wrestled with the last few months, and particularly this week. Uh, the realization that God is truly changing us to another ministry, uh, shipping boys off to college, and saying goodbye to them yesterday and this morning at five. Um, it's a collision of emotions that um, I don't really care for. <laughs> There's such deep love for our Savior. And when you love the Savior, you love the people he saved. I don't know how else to say that. Um, God's calling to us, to another ministry, is, is, has nothing to do with anything but following his will. It is not because of anything that happened here or didn't happen here. Isn't anybody concerned with anything that's gone on in people? It is truly f striving with all of our strength to find what he has for us and to follow that calling. But it is bittersweet. And I've had that term in my mind all week long. It's bitter because we love you so much. You're so precious to us. There's none of you that has not been on our prayers and our hearts. Not one of you has not run through our mind as we laid in bed and thought and prayed and said, Lord, how, how do we do this? And so I want to do my best over the next couple of weeks today to encourage you in the word of God, challenge you, warn you particularly this morning, and then next week tell you from the scriptures the inspired word of God of how my heart really feels about you. And I long to do that next Sunday. I know the guys, the elders have worked on a meal together. Um, I love having fellowship meals together. Our community group is having one this Wednesday. I love them dearly. And it's just a good time to sit and talk and praise the Lord for what he's done. And the elders asked what I wanted. I said, I just want to sit together and have a meal and praise God for what he's done. So if you'll do that with me next week, I would welcome that. Um, many have asked why we haven't been forthfront with where we're going is because we don't know the will of God till he fully shows it. <laughs> we were not able, even till this morning, um, we finally had a phone call of affirmation. And so um, I want to share with you where we're going, and then I want to preach, and Jeff's going to clean everything up when we're all done um, <laughs> after the service. Um, when we set out, I want to be clear on this, we set out to find God's will. We said we would go anywhere, and those are very scary words to let out of your mouth. I don't know if you've ever done that. I would encourage you to be careful, too. <laughs> um, 
we really truly did want the center of his will, so we said, Lord, Gina and I, I'll never forget the day of on our knees saying, Lord, we'll go anywhere you want us. We realize now you're calling us, but we don't know where, but we'll go anywhere. So over this last period of time, we have um, been in final cuts or whatever you want to call them in churches in New Zealand. Um, we almost went overseas. We uh, longed to go to Philippines if the Lord would wanted us there. Um, we love overseas ministries. Uh, we a church in, outside of Seattle, um, Idaho Falls, Nebraska, Wisconsin. We've looked at several churches and we laid some very high criteria for what we were looking for. And the problem is we based them all on you. <laughs> of, what we, of what we've learned from you and how we've, how we've grown together and how we've hurt together and how we've made mistakes together and how we've forgiven one another. And so the standard was really high. <laughs> And so through that, we continued to look and look and ask the Lord to give us an extreme peace. Um, the best way I can say it is the Lord let us look at many ministries and said, no, we're not going to send you. I want you to look at this, but I'm not going to send you there. I want you to see because I'm going to show you something different in the end. And he let us look and, and, and we met a lot of dear people around the world. Um, but in the end, um, God has led us to a church in Florida, of all places. Um, it, is, it was a church that um, uh, the, the bio on it got sent to me. And um, when I first looked at it, I just thought there's just no way that they would want me. <laughs> um, I'm damaged material in some ways. Um, why would, well, God, why would you send me there? And I didn't do anything with it for a long time. I prayed over it. And finally, Gene and I kept looking at it and said, it has what we're looking for. It looks like it's a church that exalts Christ and their family and their, they've been through hard times. I don't want a church that hasn't been through hard times because we all grow by our mistakes. Um, and along the short of it, after answering lots of questions, writing theses and um, tremendous amount of work, um, the Lord has called us to a church called Riverbend Community Church in Ormond Beach, Florida. It's just north of Daytona Beach. Um, I know somebody just went through their mind, well, he couldn't get farther away from us. <laughs> We're shore to shore. Um, but honestly, we, we set out to go wherever the Lord wanted us. It is a church like ours. I was just there preaching last week, and um, I, told our, I told that congregation, I said, we could just switch. That's a beautiful ministry it is. It's just like this one. They love Christ, and they love to preach the supremacy of Christ, and they love to sing the supremacy of Christ. And it, it is a little larger ministry, and it has some opportunities that I think God is gonna allow us to do that we're excited about seminary starts and things like that that I think God has been preparing us for uh, through being with you and learning. So um, you're welcome to go look on websites. You'll see sermons that I preached last week. Um, and they love you. Uh, th that church never moved till we would move here. They would not tell their church that I was their candidate till this church got told. They constantly protected you. They constantly told their church, do not put stuff on social media. Protect Grace Bible Church in Hollister. And so I'm very grateful for that. They are a godly group of people. 
They're not perfect, there are no perfect churches. We know that, don't we? Um, but we wanted to tell you that and let you know we, we covet your prayers. Um, our life feels like someone's pulling on us from 50 different directions right now of trying to pack and send kids off and wait for affirmation votes and all the stuff that goes with this. Um, and I, I can't tell you how, how heavy at times it is to make these decisions. So um, I do covet your prayers and um, we love you. We, we love you more than words can express. And we're excited for you. We know God has done all this for a reason. We must believe in his sovereign care. He has raised up godly men who love you here. Not only just elders, but home group leaders and interns and Sunday school teachers and, and people who just care for this body in unique ways, deacons. And, and I am so impressed. And, and let me just brag on you for a little bit. The churches that came after us came after us because of you. Because they saw what happened here. And they saw men and women hunker down and hang on to Christ. And hang on to him in difficult times. And they watched that. And, and you are our testimony. I honestly can say that. I kept saying, here's what God did. Here's the picture of it. And so I want to thank you. You were my, the best thing I could put on my resume was Grace Bible Church. And I praise the Lord for each and every one of you. Now, I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna try to preach this passage. And I want you to listen and not let your mind run somewhere else. And if you're new here today, please stay at this church. I beg you, stay at this church. Christ is exalted here and you will be loved here. Let me pray. Father, We are just humans, we're, we're but dust. We're here today, gone tomorrow in our human fleshly bodies, Lord. We are so finite and you are so infinite. Your will is so perfect and flawless and ours is so flawed and unperfect. And we are striving to follow you. So we ask, Lord, that you would be gracious to us as your children. That you would continue to display your will and give comfort, give direction. Cause your Holy Spirit to be strong here, Lord. We would not sin against it. We would listen to the working of God and the direction that he has through the preaching of the word of God in the establishment of leadership, Lord, that loves Christ. May we follow. Father, each one of us are trying and striving to obey you, Lord. And doubtlessly, Lord, there's people in this room who are struggling with your will. Some are in disobedience, living contrary to what the Bible has to say. And some are obeying and waiting for you to show your hand, Lord. And I pray you would bring convictions to those who may be in sin, that they would repent of it, Lord, and they would live according to your scriptures for your glory. And I pray for those who are just waiting for your hand to move, Lord. I know that feeling. 
And so, Lord, cause us to be dependent upon you and wait with joy and wait with patience that our heavenly Father, who knows the hairs on our head, who knows the span of our life, that you will divulge your perfect will in your perfect time. And so, Lord, give us strength. Bless this church for your glory, Lord. Bless them so they'll bless others. Bless them as they preach and sing the truth of Jesus. I know, I know they'll give you all the glory that you deserve. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll take your Bibles and turn to Exodus, excuse me, Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. I am not going to read the whole text. We're going to kind of go down through it. It is a very large text of scripture, and it is not um, usual of me to preach such a large passage, as you know, over these many years. Um, but I want to take the 30,000-foot scan flyover over it because I think it's a fascinating text, and there's great application to you and I. As you know, the text is about Paul. He is leaving, and he is headed for Jerusalem. But Jerusalem is not his last stop. Jerusalem is his next stop. But from there, he will be put in chains and taken to Rome. He will then go into house arrest where he wrote the great book of Philippians and other books. And then he will be released. But then he'll be rearrested, brought back to Rome, put in the maritime prison, and there executed. And all of this is God's will. And so in this text, he is sailing towards Jerusalem, and he stops in a little town called Miletus, which is on the coast. He sends for the elders that he probably trained and probably called. He sends for them to come and meet with him. It is a very emotional passage when you study it. In no way do I want to relate this to my life in any way. I want to learn from it. There are some parallel things that we'll see that God has taken Grace Bible Church through, but it is a good passage to both encourage us and warn us. And I want to be one who says, only one life to live, live it for Christ. And I think that's what Paul's saying in this text. You only have one life. That's all you have. One go around, and then you go to glory. And that's sobering to think about, isn't it? How will you run this race? How will you run this life? And I think Paul gives us such a beautiful illustration of it. Well, let's look at a couple of thoughts here. Number one, serve your Savior with all your heart. Look at verses 17 through 21, now that we know the context that it lies within. From Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders, plural, of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, you yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. And how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable in teaching you publicly from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance towards God in faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as we stop there, uh, my point is serve the Savior with all your heart. And one of the things we learn from the Apostle Paul is he was absolutely, completely sold out. He is the human standard 
of ministry. He is the human standard for a husband, for a wife. He really is. He gives everything to the Lord. He goes through much trials. You see in this text that he had plots against him. People meaning that they met separately from him in order to plot to destroy him. That was their goal. He knew it because he writes it here that these things took place. But within all of that, within all of those difficult things going on, and, and you can look in other passages where he lists all that took place, all that happened to him time and time again. I mean, everything from being stoned to death where they thought he was dead to being beaten and whipped and, and left for dead there. Shipwreck, snake bit. I think that's the worst one for me. Um, and all of that, his goal was to serve the Lord with all his heart. Now, look, we can't say, hey, by golly, I'm going to go out and serve the Lord with all my heart and just flip the switch on the day, can we? We're, we're, we're but dust and we're very human and we struggle with that, don't we? But that is his goal. And you notice that he says, when you get in verse 18, he says, you yourself know from the first day that I set foot in Asia. So he had a goal to do it. His goal was to exalt Christ in everything he did. You know, that is learned. That's learned behavior for us Christians. That's simply learning to die to self. It is so hard. We, we love ourselves, don't we? I mean, let's be honest. We love ourselves. And, and the way we follow Christ is we, we, and I pray this all the time, Lord, I need to love you more than I love myself. Gina and I have a little saying, we say to each other, love Christ more than you love me and our marriage will bring glory to God. That's hard to do. It's easy to say. It's a nice little phrase, God. It's hard to live. It's hard to live those things. And one of the things that we learned from Apostle Paul is that he did these things. He actually set his mind on serving the Lord with all of his heart. And he did it in great opposition. He, and he did it through, and there's a way to do this. And, and I, as I looked at this week, I thought he did it from declaring anything that was profitable and teachable, and we'll see later in the text, that he, wouldn't, he didn't hold back from the whole council. So the way you do this, the way you're able to say, Lord, I want to serve you with my own, my, all my heart, is that I believe the word of God. And we'll look at that more. I'm going to show you a text because I want you to see that this, you go, well, this is the Apostle Paul. How do people do this? Well, look at 1 Thessalonians. Paul sees this in the Thessalonica church. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. I want you to look at this text with me. First Thessalonians chapter one, verse two, the greeting is beautiful in verse one. But here in verse two, he says, we give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers. Boy, do I understand that more than ever, that little phrase right there. Give thanks and, and mention you in my prayers. But notice what he sees about this church. Constantly bearing in mind or remembering, your Bible might say, it's the, it, the, the verb here is that, it's brought up constantly in his thinking. 
that your work of faith, look, notice he, he, he names three things here that come to mind constantly. The work of faith, the labor of love, and your steadfast hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, how do I, how do I serve the Savior with all my heart? Let your faith drive your work. Let your love be laborious for those in the kingdom of God. And let your hope be set steadfast on Jesus. And then you'll see needs, and then you'll meet needs, and then you'll have desires to serve one another in ways that you never thought. He goes on to say this, knowing, brethren, beloved by God, very endearing term here in verse four, beloved, meaning God set his love, his choice, his election of you. Verse five, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, it just wasn't um, some message, but notice who carries the power of it, but also in the power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. And that's what I've seen in this church. When the gospel's preached, you see the conviction fall on people. You watch the Spirit of God press on their hearts. That's what makes Grace Bible Church such a special place. In other words, we would say, we're not just hearers of it, we're what? Doers. There's where joy comes from. When we don't obey the Lord for his glory, we fall into spiritual depression. We lose joy. Look on with me. It says, just as you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sakes, there is an example set before them. You also became imitators of us and the Lord. Isn't that great that God constantly puts encouraging examples in front of you? I stand in this pulpit today because of many men who were encouraging examples to me through the years. They're dear men in my life. And I thank the Lord for them. And God does that for you as well. Across the street, there are dear examples of Christ in front of your children right now teaching. And and we purposely do that. Because we see the benefits of it. Notice he goes on to say, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit. You know, here at Grace Bible Church, we don't say, oh yeah, things are just a piece of cake through the years. They weren't. It was hard to get to this position. It was hard to get here. And we can never, never be comfortable, right? You can't, you can't say, oh, we've arrived. There's, we've come back full circle again, right? We've never arrived. I, I told the church in Florida, I said, the church is always being reformed. Don't forget that. We're always being reformed. And, and think individually before you think ecclesiology, ecclesiological, church-wise. God's always reforming you. And if he's always reforming you and you're part of a church, he'll reform the church. The problem is, when you and I don't want to be reformed, and we look and go, oh, you know, those people, if they were just like us. Oh man, the dangers of that. God is always reforming his children. Bend the knee. Bend the knee and say, God, if you need to take out the jackhammer, take it out. Because I'll be more happy when you get that lump off me. Does that make sense? 
See, I think this is why Paul, that's why I want you to see that this is not only just about Apostle Paul when you read this, but it's also about the church. They saw it in them. Go back to Acts with me. And again, there's so much more in this text that I would love to spend time, but for the sake of time, we'll, we'll press on. But just before I move to my next point, I want you to look at verse 21. Solomon testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance towards God in faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. That is a very special verse. He was not a well-liked person among those groups. He called, he believed, as John did, that Christ was the word, the logos, the ultimate, perfect power and wisdom of God. He proclaimed Christ. That put him in direct opposition with Jews and Gentiles. All the time, every place he went, but notice his burden that he had. He was willing to testify to them that it would bring them to a repentance towards the Lord Jesus Christ. In the way you learn to serve the Lord with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength is you're not ashamed of him. Romans 1.16. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. You'll, you'll suffer, but do it humbly. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Two, don't be afraid to follow the Lord anywhere he may lead you. Don't be afraid to follow the Lord anywhere he may lead you. Look at verse 22 through 25. And now behold, bound by the Spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, Henneclaus here, his statement, so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will no longer see my face. Now, Paul understood that God had something for him to do. Remember when we read many times in Acts chapter nine when Paul gets saved, Ananias is afraid of him. Remember that? And he says, this guy's done great harm to the way, to the church. And, and then God told Ananias, look, I have saved him for a reason. He will suffer greatly for me in front of kings and princes and in front of Gentiles and the Jews. See, Paul didn't hear that conversation, but he understood it later. And he knew he was determined to follow the Lord no matter where it would lead him. And here, by this time in his life, he understands. He says, I'm on the way to Jerusalem. And you think, oh, that's great. He's going to go to Jerusalem. No, it isn't. His biggest haters are there. This is not where, where his friends would want him to go. In fact, there's other texts that they plead with him not to go there. And he says, the spirit is driving me. Why are you doing this to me? He knows Jerusalem is the step to Rome. And so he's willing to go. And the reason he's willing to go is he wants to bear witness of Jesus Christ. And brothers and sisters, God asks you to go places sometimes we don't always understand. But he probably wants you to bear his name there. Look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19.
I want you to understand that we as Christians, we talk about our freedom we have in Christ, but we should also talk about that we're slaves of Christ too, right? Romans says we're no longer slaves of sin, but we are slaves of righteousness, Romans chapter six. So we changed in our slavery chains that would drag us to hell and eternal damnation for the chains of Christ. And we, and we carry those chains. And, and, and I want you to understand, there is, there, certainly we are free from our sins. We don't want to take away from any of that. We want to sing with all our might that we are free from our sins. But in a sense, our slavery doesn't allow us to use, our slavery to Christ doesn't allow us to use that in a poor way. Look what, how Paul handles this. Verse 19. For though I am free from all men, that's what he believes. He's free. I have made myself a slave to all. Now look at this little phrase, so that I may win more. See, when you're not afraid to follow the Lord, you're in, you're in, in, in essence, you're saying, Lord, I am not going to be enslaved to my will, what I want, where I want to live, what I want to do, what I want. My, when, we, when we go down that I want trail, I think what we lose, according to Paul here, is that opportunity to win more. When you say, Lord, I will obey you, I will follow you, there's an opportunity to win more. And I love this phrase, I have made myself a slave to all so that I may win more. Verse 20, to the Jews, I became as Jew, so that I might win Jews. That, that's hard. Especially when you believe, wow, I'm gonna go sit and do the things they do so that I might get a chance to talk to them. That's what missionaries do, Right? Hudson Taylor was the first to do this. He went to China. He dressed like a Chinaman. He ate like a Chinaman. He did all that. And all the other missionaries said, you're crazy. He said, no, I want to win them for Christ. Paul had that same thought here. I'll go and do that. And, 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 and when I say don't be afraid to follow the Lord in any way he leads, he may ask you to do something that's incredibly difficult. He may ask you to adopt children. He may ask you to go teach or help in some area that's difficult. Paul said, I'll go. When he says, I'll go to the Jews, the Jews absolutely hated him. So, so just don't fly by this and go, oh, he's going to his own people. His own people didn't like him. This is like going to Thanksgiving dinner with your family to hate you. Right? We've all been there at times, right? To the Jews I became Jews so that I might win them to those who are under the law as under the law. He didn't want to be a stumbling block so he could share Christ, though not being myself under the law. He knew he was free from the law, but he would act within those so that he could have an opportunity to witness so that I might win those who are under the law. He goes on to those who are without the law as without the law. Though not being out of the law of God, but under the law of Christ, so I might win those without the law. He, he did whatever it took biblically and followed him wherever he would ask him to go in order to win people to Christ. Will you do that? And you say, well, Scott, I don't know that I could leave for China tomorrow. Well, support somebody who can. See, that's the way we go. We, we, we have freedom in that. And Lord, I'll follow you. I'll give more. I'll, I'll support more. I'll do what I can. See, as you think about this, don't be afraid to follow the Lord anywhere he leads you. You want to get to the end of life. 
You want to be the excellent servant of Christ that's single-minded in purpose, and you want him to say, hey, well done, good and faithful slave, Matthew chapter 25, 21. And you want to be able to say, Lord, I have fought the good fight. I have run the race. I have kept the faith. You, you really do want to say that, not boldly um, or as though God deserves to give you something, but you want to honor him in that. And so, like Paul, don't be afraid to say, Lord, what do you have for me? It, it's hard. Life is hard, isn't it? We have house payments and raising kids and there's issues in our life. There's jobs and bosses and taxes and government and there's neighbors and there's, it just, there's a million things in our life, isn't it? Steadfast in the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where do you want me to go, Lord? Next text. Three, give yourself over to the entirety of scriptures. Look what he says here back in our text in Acts chapter 20. This verse 26 and 27 this time. Therefore, that means because of all of this, because I was willing to go follow him anywhere, that I don't count my life as something dear to myself, I give it to the Lord. Because that's all true, therefore I test to you, testify to you this day that I'm innocent of the blood of all men. Well, first of all, let me deal with that just for a moment. What does that mean, innocent of the blood of all men? It's most likely true that Paul either killed Christians or had them killed. Could we not ascertain that from the text, right? So what does he mean here by innocent of the blood of all men? Well, some commentators say that it's because he's forgiven of his sins. And, and that's probably true, there's some truth to that. That because he's forgiven, he's not gonna stand in condemnation for those sins, Romans chapter eight, verse one. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, right? You're not judged for our past sins. We're not judged for our present or future sins. They're forgiven in Christ. But I don't think that's actually what he's meaning here. I actually think he's speaking from Ezekiel here. I think he's taking a phrase or two out of Ezekiel. Let me just read you this passage for the sake of time. It comes from Ezekiel 33, seven through nine. Here, um, God is speaking um, about the prophets who don't warn people and those who do. And I think what Paul is doing here is he has spoke boldly of how to be free of your sin, how never to fall into the condemnation of God. He has told people of that. And if they reject Christ, he is free from them is what he's going out. Now listen to this fascinating passage, Ezekiel 33. Verse seven, now as for you, son of man, I have appointed you a watchman over the house of Israel so that you will hear the message from my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you will surely die and you do not speak the warning to the wicked from this way that that, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, his blood will be required from your hand. But... If you on your part warn a wicked man to turn from his way and he does not turn from his way, he will die in his iniquity, but you have been delivered for life. Now I think that's what Paul's talking about. And, and I think it goes really good with the next verse. Look at verse 26. Um, excuse me, verse 27. He says, for I did not shrink back from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. So he, he wouldn't fit in America church culture where they only preach on the funny, fun stuff, right? 
He's saying, I told you, if you remain in sin, you're going to die. And you're going to see the iniquity, your iniquity is going to bring on the wrath of God on you and you're going to be judged for eternity. He's saying, I am not guilty because I've shared the full counsel with you. I've not held back any of that truth. And brothers and sisters, the men who will stand in this pulpit, they are charged to preach the whole text. And they do. And, and the elders will continue to teach as God leads them and, and to hold to this whole text. And so give yourself over to the entirety of the text. And, and, and what we do as Christians is, is you know, we, we read what we want, right? And people ask me all the time, why do you preach your books? I said, so I don't have to skip anything. And then I don't have to stand before God and say, why did you skip that text? Well, I don't like it. <laughs> preach the whole council. And they're hard, because you know what? It's one thing to speak it here. It's another thing to sit in that office and study it all week and go, Lord, I'm not living this, and i got to go tell them. Look, this book is for us, every page of it, every word of it. Be a church. Grace Bible Church is known for this. And, and keep it going and keep learning to do this in our individual lives so collectively Grace Bible Church is known for the entirety of the full counsel of the Bible. Do not skip texts. Don't run away from words like submission, obey, honor. Don't run away from sin, words that deal with sin. Don't run away from the great words of joy and salvation and all, all that is. Don't run away from Christ alone, through grace alone, through faith alone, through the word of God alone, for his glory alone. So many churches have believed the Bible. I wrote in my notes, I said, do you believe that all scriptures are inspired and profitable for you? See, we say that generally. We believe, it's in our statement, it's a good statement, we believe that the word of God is inspired and is profitable in teaching for the church. We believe that. And now take it to the next step. Do I believe it for me? Do I believe that the word of God, every jot and tittle of it, is inspired for me? 2 Corinthians 2, 16 and, 13, 16 and 17 is talking to us as well as Timothy. Fourth, I thought, pray for your pastor elders and honor them as called men. Again, there's much more in this text, but I want to just pull out some thoughts here. Verse 28 through 31, be on guard for yourself. Remember, he's talking to the elders at Ephesus. And by the way, as you read this, it didn't go very well. Paul had to send Timothy back into Ephesus because some of their leadership fell apart. And then their doctrine fell apart. Their roles of women and men fell apart. Their, their teaching on salvation fell apart. Their, their way they handled one another fell apart. They had all kinds of difficulties. So he's warning them of things that were coming. Be on guard for yourself and for all the flock. It's written right to elders and pastors. First, personally, check your own heart and your own mind as a pastor elder. Once you've done that, keep track of the flock. It's a command here that he's given. Notice how they became these men among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. 
So it is this divine work of God as he calls men out of the congregation to be leaders and shepherds over the flock. And let me take just a little quick shot here. Some of you men, God needs to stir in your heart. I think he already is and you need to answer that call. If God is pushing you to shepherd the church, don't think about something else or some other time or maybe when I get here or there. If he's pushing you, come talk to the men. And notice, the church of God belongs to him who purchased it with his own blood. Now here's some warnings here. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And where are they coming from? Sometimes, this will happen, verse 30, and from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. So they were to get the understanding that Paul was there for about three years in Ephesus. And he was pushing them. And so, Let me charge you with this this morning. Pray for your pastor elders. God has called them to a very difficult job. It is not easy. Now, it's not that it isn't joyful. We love doing what God has called us to do, but it is not easy. Because notice, they have to put a guard on themselves, first of all. They have to keep track of their own lives, and then they are to keep track of the flock. And it's not something these men can just willy-nilly walk away from. It's because God called them. The Spirit of God called them to be these men. He made them. And so honor them. Esteem them as we read in 1 Thessalonians 5. Do not worship them. Do not set them on pedestals. Do not make them greater than anybody else in the flock. That's not what the Bible is saying. But it is saying to esteem them and honor them. And quite frankly, as we began to look for that ministry that God had us, we were looking for a church that honored their pastors and elders. And that's very obvious when you get into a group of people. And, and it's not because you want to be honored. It's because you know you're going to get to get, do a lot of wonderful things for the name of the Lord when the church is unified. You get to see God do things that are amazing. And you've been doing that. We, uh, the elders here, we love this church. Continue to honor your elders and your leaders and your pastors. First Peter chapter five, Peter hitchhikes on this and he, and he talks to the elders to be among the flock, not to lord it over them, to be examples to them and for the church to follow them. There are wolves. I wanna show you Jude. Jude warns us. Look at Jude chapter one, verse three. There's only one chapter, but look at verse three and four. If you don't think there's wolves that will come in after maybe one shepherd departs, you're unaware. I don't know who they are. I don't presume to know who they are, but I promise you they're circling already. That's the way wolves work. Believe me, I cowboyed for a long time. As soon as there isn't someone, they think, they think that there's someone not there to guard the flock, they will come in. I promise you. Look at it says, verse three of Jude. Beloved, I, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation. Jude was just wanting to encourage them about that Jesus saved them. I felt necessary to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all handed down for the saints. Earnestly contend. 
That means get in the race and run. Don't be a spiritual wimp. Earnestly contend. That means I'm in this for the crown. <laughs> in a sense, right? Because the crowns we throw back to the Lord. He says, don't just go willy-nilly into the church. Earnestly contend. And there's a reason why. Verse 4, for certain persons have crept in unnoticed. Those who were long before, now listen to this, marked out for this condemnation, ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny our own master, the Lord Jesus Christ. Look, they're there, and we don't know who they are, but it happens, and many times since we've been here over the years, we have seen things come, and you never saw it because the shepherds caught them before they got in. And I just want you to be aware that, that that's why you pray for your pastors and elders. They're, they're trying to protect you. And so often there's pushback because the pastors and elders want to do something and they're, or, they're, or they're saying, hey, we, we want to take you this direction or, or we want to do a little more of this and there's a reason for that. They're trying to protect you. Yesterday there was a wedding right on this stage. And Derek and JC said vows to each other. And you'd have to be on a different planet to miss Ron's sermon. Ron was clearly laying out that this is a picture of Christ and the bride. And men, what would you do for your bride? Would you not lay your, wife, lay your life down for her? And here, when we think about the church... This is Christ's bride. And as under-shepherds of the Lord Jesus Christ, we lay our lives down for it. And you get run over. Trust me. You get run over. Don't, you, don't desire the, you don't desire the position. You desire the work of the ministry, 1 Timothy chapter 3 says. And you get kicked and you get bit and you get run over. And, but you are, get back up because you love the bride of Christ because Christ made you part of that. And he washed you clean in such a beautiful representative of it. You were here yesterday. There's this beautiful bride. She's dressed in white. The, the teaching is clear there. She's pure She's innocent of all sin now. And, and she is now belongs to the groom who is the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and the illustrations are just full and replete with, with the glory of God and the love of Christ for his church. And so these are serious things. We take church seriously. And we protect people and we care for them. That's why you must pray for your leadership. And pray that God adds to the number of leadership here. There's men here qualified in this room as I speak, and I'm trying not to look at anybody. <laughs> and I'm pleading that God would store in their hearts to care for this church. Fifth, as you turn back to our text, stand humbly but firm in the word of God and in his grace. Stand humbly but firm in the word of God and his grace. Notice what he says, verse 32 through 35, and now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. Isn't that sweet words? I commend you. In a sense, I'm doing the same to you. I'm not the apostle Paul or am I an apostle or anything. I'm just one who loves you. I commend you to God and his word and his grace. If you just stick to his word, and live according to his grace, both in salvation and daily life, you will be okay. 
when we want to live outside of that, well, you know, times are changing. You know, we just don't fit with the culture anymore. Maybe we as grace should change so that we can reach more people. See, if we don't commend ourselves to the word of God, then grace will be distorted. The doctrine of truth given to people who need to, be, to hear the gospel, it would be distorted. And God will not use a church that distorts his gospel to save people. He won't do it. And so when we hold to his word and to his grace, great things happen. Now notice what it says in the, in the verse, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Oh, isn't that good news? Hold to the word and the Lord will build you up. He'll strengthen you. We've said over and over, this church does not belong to Scott, the elders, the pastors. It doesn't belong to the people. It belongs to Christ, doesn't it? Amen, amen, amen. And we fight for that because we know what happens when, it, when, when someone, some group or a person or anybody tries to take over that position. It crumbles and destroys and people are hurt and scattered. And he says, look, I'll build you up if you hold to my word. Verse 33, Paul says, I've coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. You yourself know that these hands ministered to my own needs and to the men who were with me. And everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember, and here's what I'm after, help the weak, remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ that he said himself, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Show me a church that gives Instead of wants all the time, show me couples that give, I'll show you a strong marriage. Show me couples and families who look to help and care for others, I'll show you God in the midst of them. I promise you, be a church that gives. God will supply your needs and he'll meet you there. Last. Keep an internal perspective of life and ministry. Verse 36 through 38, these are very sobering words, and by no mean am I trying to equate this between what's going on in our church, but they are sobering, but I want to I put a reality to it. Let me read them first, though. It says, and when he had said these things, Paul had spoken to these elders. He knelt down and they prayed with them all. I hope that happens next week. I want you to pray for me, and Gene and the boys. And they began to weep aloud and embrace Paul and repeatedly kissed him. I really don't want your kisses. <laughs> Good handshakes, a side hug or two. <laughs> Verse 38. Grieving especially over the words that, which he had said that they would not see his face again and they were accompanying him to the ship. The reason I wrote this, I said, keep an internal perspective of life and ministry. I think that's a, I think it's a very important statement here. I don't know that they had it. I can't presume it's a narrative, kind of in a narrative right here of what happened there at the end of the text. But we gotta keep an eternal perspective here. It, it, it literally breaks my heart to, to leave you in, in one way. It, it's one of the most difficult decisions Gene I've ever made in 30 plus years of ministry. But it is the eternal perspective that God has given us that helps us make this decision. We will only be on this earth for a short time. Do not forget that. What's it going to matter? 
in 20 years from now for some of us? What's going to matter in 50 years? Did we chase Jesus Christ? Were we willing to go wherever he wanted? Because you know what? You and I are going to link arms in heaven, right? And we are going to cast crowns before our Savior. And we're going to spend eternity with him forever and ever. And I'm willing to give up a little bit of comfort. I'm willing to give up a little bit of relationships to run as hard as I can in this life. And you and I can get back together in heaven. Does that make sense? Keep an eternal perspective of what happens in the church. If it's not sin, God is in it. Does that make sense? If it's not sin, God is in it. So think eternally. There are going to be changes. People could die. I am not assured I'm going to get home myself today. I'm, I'm ready to go. If he wants to take me home, I'd rather go there than Florida. <laughs> uh, agree? But we have an eternal perspective, right? And, and, and finally, let me just, that has to go into everything we do. Husbands, wives, What's your eternal respect perspective of your relationship? Parents, what's your eternal perspective? Is sports, ballet, musicals, grades, has that become the dominant perspective of your life, of your children's life? Have you been able to show them an eternal perspective of life? Have you lived that in front of them? If not, they're going to cling to the things of the world which will be gone tomorrow. But the things of the Lord will be cast into that great furnace and they'll come out as crowns. Keep an eternal perspective. Our hearts are heavy, but we follow him anyway. I want to close with just the last few verses of Jude. I found myself reading Jude this week. Jude chapter 1 verse 20 and following, we'll close with this, and Ron's gonna come sing a song, and, and Jeff's gonna talk for a minute. And I can go late because I'm leaving. <laughs> Sorry. Not that that ever stopped me anyway, but. <laughs> I can't say anything more perfect than the word of God, so let me just say this, and then I'm gonna pray, okay? I'll read this, verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourself up on the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourself in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life, and have mercy on, and have mercy on some who are doubting. Save others, snatch them out of the fire, and if some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, authority. Behold, all time and now and forever. Amen. Father, thank you. Thank you for Grace Bible Church. Thank you for what you've done here, Lord. Thank you for our mistakes, our failures. Thank you for the successes we have, you have given us in your Son and through his word. We thank you that we learn from both the hard times and the good times. May Grace Bible Church always stand firmly on the word of God and of his grace. 
I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.